We are at war and the fight is faith. Because Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Now the reality that most of us will reckon with is that there is this sense of being a part of the fight or not joining in the fight. But here's how this works. You don't have to say I'm in, you in when you got saved. That's right, because as believers, we know that once coming into Christ, the heat is turned up in the kitchen and it's time to strengthen our faith. Pastor Martin wraps up his sermon series, Faith for Uncommon Expectations, with a message entitled, A Winning Faith. Follow along in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 12, as Pastor Martin explains. We're talking today about a winning faith. Having a faith that wins, of one that if we're in a fight, then we must come to the realization that there is a winner and a loser, but we want to be on the winning side. When we think about any particular fight, you'll find that in most cases there's a winner or a loser, or in some examples where there's an opportunity for a tie or a draw. However, the challenge that we must all reckon with is that our opponent is not interested in any ties or draws. He only wants to defeat. So if we are in a fight and we recognize that our opponent is not going to call it even, we must recognize that our responsibility or our response to his position is that we want to be winners. So when we think about faith, we think about faith in this context because Paul says fight the good fight of faith. So then if in fact that we are in a fight, then we must recognize that we have to stand up and fight. Now, if we think about it in terms of the military, then we understand that if we are fighters, then we are also soldiers. But soldiers that are fighting not by nature, but by cause. And the cause is the cause of the kingdom of God or the cause of Christ. We fight the good fight of faith because we are laying hold, as Paul said, on eternal life. The reality is that Jesus came and said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. So ultimately, by laying hold upon this claim, we have to fight the good fight of faith. So we must recognize something. We are at war. We are at war and the fight is faith. Because Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Now the reality that most of us will reckon with is that there is this sense of being a part of the fight or not joining in the fight. But here's how this works, Brother Byron, that you don't have to say I'm in, you in when you got saved. You just have to be willing to join in because you're already in. He has already put himself opposite of you. Your adversary has already said he is after you. There's an old hymn that's, that's found in the African-American heritage hymnal. It's hymn for... 88, written by a gentleman by the name of Nolan Williams back in 1969. And here's what it says. We 
are soldiers in the army. We have to fight, although we have to cry. We have to hold up the bloodstained banner. We have to hold it up until we until Jesus comes back and takes you to be with him, you have to understand you're on the battlefield whether you realize it or not. So the key is you've got to stand up and recognize that there's an all-out war on your faith. Because once you've been born again and secure in Christ, he can't get your soul, so he's going after your faith. You truly been born again. You're saving Jesus. So what does he want to do? Keep you walking around defeated. I hope Jesus can help. I hope the Lord can, can do something. Rather than being able to say, hey, I'm persuaded. I am convinced that my God can supply all my needs. I am convinced that I can do all things through Christ. How I do it? Through Christ who gives me the strength. And so we're going to talk about a few things. There's five elements that I want you to, sh to want to share with you today that, that will help us to understand what it means to have a winning faith. And the fifth, I'm going to actually ask a question to help get us going. So the first one today is this. As soldiers we must first clearly identify our opponent. Because if we don't know who we're fighting, then what fight are we fighting? Here's what happened to me in seventh grade. I got on the bus that morning and they said to me, they said, Clifford said he's going to kick your butt. I said, what? Clifford said, oh, when we get off the bus after school, he gonna kick your butt. I said, why? <laughs> I haven't done anything to Clifford. They said, he said that you said to somebody that you'll kick his butt. So all day I'm at school and I'm, <laughs> I'm wrestling with this thing. I'm like, man, Clifford's an eighth grader. <laughs> all day I'm wrestling through this thing. And then I got on the bus heading home and I said, oh, the moment of reckon is coming. This is on the 10-minute drive. But while I sat there bouncing on that seat, I came to my resolve. I'm not going to run for Clifford because I lived in a place called Brick City. It was an apartment complex. And if the word got out that I ran, I'd be running for the rest of my time. So as I cut, I, I was in front, I came, I got on the bus, I sat up front. Clifford walked past and nudged me as he went by. He went on in the back. When I got off the bus, I looked over, I saw our apartment. I said, I can take off right now <laughs> and make it before he get off. But then I remembered that if I 
turn and run, I'll be running for the rest of my time. So when Clifford came down off the bus, I slammed my book bag down. I said, come on, Clifford. He said, man, what you talking about? I ain't say I was going to do nothing to you. I said, no, come on. They told me what you said. He said, man, you know we cool. I said, yeah, okay then, we cool. Because I had to recognize what I was fighting against. Not just the moment with Clifford, but everything that come after that. So I had to say, wait a minute. Today, I must make it known that I'm going to stand no matter what. And here's how Paul said, he said, having done all to stand, don't turn and run, stand. So, so I had to stand up. I didn't know I ain't, I ain't running. So here's what happened is somehow in that exchange or whatever went on, Clifford became my adversary. Here's how the, the dictionary describes an adversary as an enemy or a foe, one who opposes another or an opponent. See, what we have to recognize is that Satan is the commander-in-chief of a team of spirits that are working against us. Now, when you start talking about spirits, but we're getting, oh, oh, evil spirits, I don't know, but let me just square this up for you. Light always has authority over darkness. See, you have been brought into the light and he put his light in you. So having light in you, you always have authority over darkness. You don't need to shy away when somebody talk about spirits. You stand up and say, wait a minute. Greater is he. Because I have light in me. Paul says, you, you are light. John said, you are light. Walk in the light. Because here's how Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me help you, let me help you understand what, what Paul is expressing here. Uh, Peter, I'm sorry. What happens is we were at the zoo and we were walking and the lion had been asleep. We had tried to watch and he, had, he was laid down, but we couldn't see him. And so as he got up, he decided to roar. And I had to duck because I thought he was out. I mean, it seemed like he was right. It seemed like he was right there where we were. I mean, I, I, don't, you know, I think they're doing pretty good keeping these animals safe. But, but when he roared, I, it surrounded us. And fear gripped me. So I grabbed the children to look to see what was going on. 
See, Peter says that that's what happens. Satan is always walking around and he roars in your life. He ain't getting ready to do nothing because God's got your back. He's got you kept, but he ain't going to do nothing, but he roars in your life. And then he wants for you to be gripped with fear. Because when fear runs in, faith is suppressed. So he says, you've got an adversary, the devil, who, who's walking around seeking whom he may devour. And he has an evil army because Paul actually describes this. If you would, join me Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Because here's, here Paul says, keep this in mind. Yeah, people say things and they do things and yeah, they can be used to, to discourage us. He said, but when you get done being mad at Susie, understand that Susie is just part of a bigger plan. Because he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That word wrestle speaks of a fight. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So he says, We've, there's an army, and I want to show you something. I've got a, I've got a slide I want to pull up because there's a couple slides I want to show you that actually shows you that he gives rank and order. Any military people here? He gives rank and order to the army. Look here. The word principality. The Greek word there speaks of arche. It speaks of first in rank or first in time. The next word, rulers. That word speaks of world rulers or who are the epithet of Satan, that they're those who have great power but seem to be the essence of evil. The next one down, he says powers. Now, this was interesting because it is delegated authority. Those that have been given authority over certain things. And then you have spiritual host, which that word host speaks of an army. Now, I couldn't resist because if I'm talking about the military, and you know I'm always messing around with the military, even though I haven't been in it, I, you know, I'm always trying to do something with it. But I went and looked it all up, and I found that there is a record in our military structure that resembles this. Look at this now. The general. A general in an army is going to be over 100,000 or more troops. That's two corps, two plus corps or more. One corp is going to be led by a lieutenant general. That's 30, and most times they have more than one corp that they lead. When you look down further, you have a major general. A major general would be over a division and that is multiple divisions, 15 division, 15,000 plus. Then we go further down, we find that, that we go down to, we find a brigade general who is over a brigade, which is about 45,000 plus, and that's made up of two regiments. Then you have a colonel. A colonel is over a regiment, 
which is 1,500 plus, and that's made up of two battalions, at least two battalions and battalions. And then you have a lieutenant colonel who's over battalion, which is 700 or four plus companies. Going further down, you find that there's a captain. The captain is over 175. And that makes up about four platoons. A platoon is made up of 40 led by a lieutenant. And then you have a staff sergeant who's over a squad of 10. Why is that important? Because when we just read, he says that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. He outlines the hierarchy of the army that we're fighting. That's important because sometimes we misrepresent the situation. We always talking about the devil, maybe the devil. Do you realize the devil ain't bothered with you? He got too many under him working, understanding, because if we think the devil is everywhere, then we think he's omnipresent and he's not. Oh, you got to work this thing out because the only one that's everywhere at all times is God Almighty. See, if he could convince you that he's more powerful than he is, then you shrink down in the power that's in you. You start thinking that the devil's everywhere. The devil's busy. Oh, he got, his, his, his team is busy. If he's showing up, you're in trouble. He's the commander-in-chief, but he's got principalities. He's got rulers, powers, and spiritual hosts. That word host speaks of the air or the air above. Because we make sure we don't, you, we're not talking about the heaven where God reigns. The heaven's above us. Prince, because here's what Paul said about Satan says he's a prince of the power of the air. So it's important to understand as we identify who our opponent is. You say, well, man, Pastor, that's a whole lot. Of, oh, man. Remember, don't forget, light always has authority over. It doesn't matter how many he's got. Because here's how Jesus explained it to Peter when Peter got bold and pulled his, his, his fillet knife out and cut off the ears. He said, Peter, put that away. He said, because if I would just ask, my father would send legions of angels to come down to rest. So you, your father who's watching over you will send what you need when you need it. So you don't have to be afraid. Just be confident that you have a father who cares. Point number two, let's move through it. As a soldier or as soldiers, we must train for the fight. Every soldier in the army has to go through, they call basic training. Just basic, just getting, getting laid a foundation. Now, do you, you also understand that no soldier stays in basic training No soldier stays in, the, the plan is not to come in and stay. 
What is that saying to us, Pastor? That, 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 yeah, you got saved 20 years ago, but you still shouldn't be at basic training. 20 years later, you still out there. You're supposed to be in special ops by now. <laughs> You're supposed to be leading somebody. So soldier has to be trained. You have to go through soldier training. Here's where we start that training because Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I've got to train through the word. I can't still be talking about what I don't know. I got to be striving to minimize what I don't know and increase what I do. The next thing we find James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, but, but be not just hearers of the word, but be, you got to do what you're being trained. We can, we can, we can hear, we can absorb all the sermons. But, but he says, that's good, good hearing. Hearing is good, but he says, but don't just hear. Take it to heart and do something. That's the training process. As I learn and get instruction and I put it to action, I'm being trained as a good soldier to be able to fight the good fight. So because when we think about this word doing, the reality of doing means I have to act upon what I know. I must act upon what I know. So the key to soldier training is hearing and getting instruction and then acting upon what I know. Otherwise, we become, we become professional Bible studiers. You know, I've got five Bible studies I'm a part of. I go to one on Wednesday with my women's group, and I, I got my, my, my couples group on Thursday, and, and then, you know, I got my leaders group on Friday, and then and, and, and a few of us from my job, we get together on Saturdays. And you say, well, what, 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 can, you, can you quote a passage or... <sighs> There's just so many of them. I just, there's just so many. I didn't ask for all of them, just one. Don't give me all, just one, one good one. Jesus wept. Oh, you ain't started yet. <laughs> ah, you thought you had me. <laughs> Jesus wept. Okay, where did he weep? Where, where, where did he find that? Ah, oh, it's over there in one of them gospels, I think. Because after we understand we are being trained, Here's what Paul jumps in and says in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, study. I'm using the, the King James because the King James says, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not be ashamed who rightly devised the word of truth. That you got to know enough word. See, because otherwise, if you don't put enough word in, somebody can trick you with the wrong thing. Because if you don't have enough word in, you can't pick up on the lie. You may not know exactly what they're lying about, but you know it don't sound right. 
See, all of us ought to be equipped at least to be able to do that. So after we get soldier training, then we have to get some weapons, weapons training. See, because first you can't do anything without any power. So here's what, Paul, what, 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 what we find in Acts chapter 1 and 8. He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come up on you. So, so he first gives you power. That's the first weapon you need. The second one is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. He says, you got to put on the whole armor of God. Now, see, that's problematic because some of us don't even know what the armor is. We don't know what the pieces are, do we? Come on, be honest. Ain't there some shoulder pads or some... You done got confused with football. Football. I know there's a helmet and some shoulder pads, and I think there's something like a hip pad or something. The key is to know what armor you're supposed to put on. It says, put on the helmet of salvation. That's reminding yourself that I've been saved. I'm not what I used to be. I'm striving to be what God has made me to be. Then he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You got to have it in your heart. You want to do right. Put the breastplate of righteousness on. And then he says, make sure you got your, your waistline girdled up with the truth. That's what I said. You got to know some truth in order to know the lie. But the truth is important because this is the seat of your emotions. When you get all upset about something, you got to have some truth to settle you down. When you say all is lost, no, all ain't lost because God still got me. Here's the next thing. He said, then you got to have the shield of Faith, we've been talking about it all month. Have that shield that you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Having your feet shod with truth. I'm sorry, with peace. That's where you calm down. You ain't like you used to be. You used to cuss everybody out. Cuss the whole room out and tell them they, they don't ever have to call you ever again. Until you stuck on the side of the road and they got to spare you. I know I told you, don't call me, but I'm calling you. <laughs> so we put on the armor, but here's the key. Remember, remember Clifford? There's no armor in the back. If you turn and run, there is nothing to protect you. That's why Paul said, having done all to stand, you got to keep facing that thing and stand because all of your armor is in the front. Then he finally said in, in, in verse 17, he said, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The one offensive that you have is the word. All the rest of the arm is defensive. But he says, you got to fight that thing with the word. So soldier training, weapons training, then we're ready. Because the third point for the day is that we must, as soldiers, give our all in the fight. You're out on the battlefield, fighting for the Lord. You want to know that everybody out there is fighting hard as you are, right? Look, look, look at this. Watch, watch this now. In 2 Timothy 
chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, here's what Paul says. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier, Jesus Christ. This is important because sometimes when we're going through, that's when we slack up the most. Let's be honest. Girl, I ain't seen you at church. Yeah, I'm going through. Man, what's going on? Oh, you know, things ain't right. But he says you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ because he goes on to say no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. He says, yeah, you're going to have some things going on, but you can't get all tangled up in it. Let me, let me, help, let me help you, those that, that like to let your hair down. Uh, uh, you know, I, I got to let my hair down sometime faster. Well, sometimes you get it caught in a thicket that you can't get it out. <laughs> you all hung up. You, you were let it down to have a good time, but when you came out, it was still on you. You might need to clip a little hair. They cut the hair of the soldiers when they come in. You might need to clip a little of that hair because you, you let it down too much. You still think about that thing. Boy, you got that thinking in your mind. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I should have never called her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hair down. Hair down, man down. Move on. Look at this. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. Let's keep going. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Philippians 3, 14, he says, I press towards the mark or the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ. I got to be pressing. If you're pressing, then you're continually moving forward too. That even when I feel wounded, I keep pressing. Even when I feel discouraged, I keep pressing. Even when I feel a bit confused, I keep pressing because I know there's a goal leads us to the fourth point we must endure in the fight because if faith is a fight and you know your adversary is after your faith then you have to continue to endure in the fight that wraps up another awesome word if you're in need of prayer counsel or if we can assist in any way please don't hesitate to ask If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.